Hello, and welcome to the Cosmic Cauldron with hosts Jamie and Charlotte, where we discuss spirituality, paganism, witchcraft, holistic lifestyles, and everything in between. So gather around the cauldron every Wednesday, where we brew up a new topic. Hello, and welcome back to the Cosmic Cauldron. On today's episode, we're going to be covering another Sabbath, one of the lesser Sabbaths known as Litha, or Midsummer's Day, or Summer Solstice, depending on how you look at it. And it happens to mark the longest day of the year in the Northern Hemisphere. Yes. Litha is one of the lesser Sabbaths, and in case you have not listened to any of our previous episodes, what this means is that the Wheel of the Year, which is the a calendar year that goes through the cycles, there are four greater Sabbaths and four lesser Sabbaths. Now, the four greater Sabbaths are the midpoints between the solstices and the equinox, and as Jamie just mentioned, Litha is the summer solstice. Now, while the summer solstice has been celebrated throughout history, Litha itself is relatively new, particularly the name. The name Litha didn't come about until the 1970s. But that doesn't take away from the fact that cultures around the world were celebrating a form of this festival. So now, For the Northern Hemisphere, Litha takes place around June 20th to the 22nd, whereas in the Southern Hemisphere, that would be approximately December 20th to the 22nd. So basically, our winter solstice and our summer solstice are the exact opposite. Now, historically, during the times of Litha, in several different cultures, there would be a bonfire. So even the litha that we know today is heavily associated with fires. And why it's associated with fires is because fire is representative of the sun. And not only that, but many of these cultures believed that by having a large bonfire, they would be ensuring a successful season, you know, as far as crops and livestock and basically just maintaining their food sources. You know, they would, this would be the time that they were, they had already planted. They're hoping that the sun continues to grow their crops. So they have a harvest and then that harvest could then last them through the, the winter. It's also said that at Litha, the veils between worlds are thin, so kind of creating a portal between the world as we know it and the world beyond, um, which has sort of made me think of Samhain. I feel like I always say that wrong, where they say that the veil is thin between our world and the spirit world. I sort of feel like this is the summertime version of that. (laughs) Beltane is usually the opposite of Samhain. Yeah, and I don't think it's necessarily the opposite in time, but just the the meaning of it. Um, I've seen several references to to this, um, which I didn't know before, and I don't think you had ever read before either. So um, I don't, I haven't done extensive research on it, but it's interesting how um, the fairies have come up and just the the spirits of summer. If you think of you know the the beings of summer. You think of things like fairies, right? Um, Forest creatures and that sort of thing. (laughs) Yes, it is a time when the earth is becoming alive. 
One fun thing I love about Litha is the flower crowns. Now, I know you actually made us some flower crowns a couple of years back, I think it was, and I still have it on my wall behind me here as we record. Um, but this Sabbath always reminds me of like, I don't know, like hippies in white with flower crowns dancing around a fire <laughs> on green grass. That sort of imagery comes to mind. Yes. Yes. Oh, and those gowns hopping around the fire. Yep. Yep, that's exactly yes. what comes to mind. And I, and I believe that was sort of the custom, right, was just the celebration of being outdoors and appreciating what nature gives us and and hoping for, you know, a successful harvest a few months down the road. Yeah, it was. Like the fire itself, while it represents the sun, they also used it to ward off evil spirits. Like that's pretty common throughout history, like, you know, fire. Yeah, it represented the sun element and it was to bring in the good, but it was also to sort of starve off the bad as well. Okay, Now, one of the most popular folklore surrounding both the summer solstice and winter solstice is the tale of the Oak King and the Holly King. Now, while this is sort of Wiccan in origin, it does give you sort of a, a story background for the overall feel of these two Sabbaths. And what it is, is the Oak King, which was representative of light, and the Holly King, which was representative of darkness, would battle on these two solstices. Now, because Litha is the summer solstice, it's also the longest day of the year. Now, with this in mind, every day from here forward is going to grow shorter. So when the Oak King and the Holly King fight at the summer solstice, the Holly King wins this battle until they battle again at Yule. And the reason he wins is he represents darkness and every day from here on out will be a little more dark until we reach the shortest day of the year. And in addition to that, there's also an Irish Celtic folklore that has to do with the Celtic goddess Danu, who represents earth and fruitfulness. And according to Irish mythology, Danu was the universal mother of a tribe of ancient Irish people who believed to have invaded Ireland, but then were defeated on Midsummer's Day and retreated to the hills and eventually became the fairy folk. And I <gasps> do believe that this is where that veil thinning um uh, idea comes from and why the fairy folk play such an important role in the history of Litha, at least for the Celtic people. Yes, yes. And actually, the a large part of this origin, the origins surrounding, well, most of the Sabbaths are, are Celtic in origin. Not all of yeah. them, but but largely they draw from, you know, Celtic civilizations, you know, with some Germanic influence. And then, you know, the Romans came through during this time. So, you know, some of that is in the mix as well. And it just sort of becomes this um, collaboration where it's kind of constantly evolving. So it's always hard to really pinpoint the exact origins. But what history tells us is that a lot of people and a lot of cultures celebrated the solstice around this time. Yes. And in modern times, as we, 
you know, got to a little bit more recent history um, when Christianity started to come into play. Litha, Midsummer's Night, was eventually adopted by the Catholic Church even and is now known as St. John's Day, celebrating John the Baptist. So it's still celebrated in many different ways and in different inter- interpretations <laughs> across different religions even now. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. As religions sweep through, they they sort of took, not sort of, they adapted a lot of the practices that were already happening. And, you know, around this time, a lot of them were pagan in origin. So it's, it's interesting to see, you know, sort of how things developed throughout history. Yes. Yes, it is indeed. Now, as the summer solstice, a lot of the festivities and the celebrations, you know, that you can sort of bring into your own practice in current day are going to have a lot in common with the solar episode that we did. And the reason the emphasis is on this is because it's the summer solstice and the longest day of the year. Working with solar magic is going to be particularly powerful during this time. And actually, as Jamie mentioned earlier, um, a couple years ago, we got together and we celebrated Litha and I had made floral crowns for us. Now, the history of that, according to pagan folklore, is that people would dress up in, in herbs and flowers. And like I was mentioning about the fire being you know, a deterrent for evil spirits, the flower crowns and you know, herbs they would wear was also to ward off evil spirits. So this served a protective function as well. And, you know, it is said that the sun is its most potent at this time, you know, because it's you know hanging out there in the sky longer. So now because the sun is at its most potent, it is thought that gathering herbs during this time that they would retain some of this power. So it's a great time for sort of harvesting your herbs as well as creating floral crowns or or even herb garlands. You know, if you are wanting to bring tradition into modern day, this is a great way to do so. But also, you know, if you use herbs for spell work or even eating, you know, this is a great time to do it and sort of capture the sun's energy on this day by, you know, pruning your your plants around this time. And along the same idea of, you know, um, ripeness, (laughs) I guess you could say, one of the traditions I thought was... um, one of the things I was reading about with Litha is how one of the ways that they would welcome fertility into, you know, their garden and their lives is having the the women of the village walk naked through the gardens. And that was to ensure fertility. I will do this just for fun. Like... <laughs> <laughs> I just, I feel like we always have to mention these like raunchy ancient traditions. Of course I say raunchy. I, they weren't then they were normal then. Right. Um, yes. Just Nothing. because to show the contrast between then and now. <laughs> yes. Yes. Not quite as taboo as it would be now. I would probably get, you know, be getting some side eye from some neighbors if I was, you know, out front walking naked through my garden, but, but I would enjoy it personally. So <laughs> It would be very invigorating, I'm sure. And I just, (laughs) I wonder if it's just because of like the beauty of the female body and the fact that we birth women or birth women, birth birth (laughs) children. We do birth women, maybe not full grown women, hopefully not. Uh, (laughs) 
but I, I guess that's why it's just to to bring in that energy that ve- you know very venus type of of energy and actually you know it is celebrated even on into today there is still a midsummer festival in england um so you know while it's probably you know had its own adaptations as well it's there uh, also in scandinavia they they actually do maypoles for midsummer instead of beltane or may day for them which leads me to believe there's probably some crossover as far as may day and midsummer which might be where the the veil you know thinning stems from it, you know mm-hmm. they probably while wiccans and pagans celebrate these as two separate holidays there's probably more intermingling yeah, because we have seen a lot of um, references online from different like Instagram accounts and things where it seems like people do get the two confused um, pretty regularly. So I would say there's definitely some crossover. And and not to mention that World Naked Gardening Gardening Day is the first Saturday of May. So which is kind of between. It's closer to Beltane, but. <laughs> and she just randomly knows this, guys. <laughs> <laughs> I've been gardening for a few years and no, I've never particularly celebrated this holiday, but I am aware that of it, she'll yes. tell us about. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm going to have to put this on my to-do list. I want to garden naked. All right. All right. So when I create my vision board for the next home that I end up in, it's going to be good privacy fences for starters. Yes. Yes. I mean, I will say that the idea of frolicking in a garden completely nude does sound really amazing just because I like being in nature in general and I hate wearing clothes in general. Uh, So if I lived in the woods, this probably would have happened already, but I live kind of in the middle of my town with no privacy fence at the moment. So, you know, don't want to get arrested for indecent exposure, but So we'll we'll wait on that, but we are looking for an opportunity. <laughs> but yeah, you're right. There is a lot of crossover between these two. And I feel like historically as well, and while there are some definitive celebrations that take place in Litha, there there is a lot of overlap, you know, because in ancient history, there were only two seasons. There was summer and there was winter. But in modern times, both of these take place not necessarily in summer, but, you know, where we're located in Florida, May is summer. It might as well be summer. Mm-hmm. It's hot as hell. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Ridiculously so. Yes. Yes. Now, aside from the Celtic or even Germanic origins of this story, there's also a Roman celebration that occurs around this time, and it's called Vestalia. Now, this was held in June of each year, uh, approximately around the time that Litha would have been occurring. So it's tied to the the summer solstice. And this was a festival that honored the god Vesta, which is a Roman goddess who guarded virginity, actually. So, hmm. (laughs) Yeah. It was it was celebrated a little bit earlier than Litha. It celebrated between June seventh and June fifteenth, um, but this was a time that women would visit the temple and they would make offerings to the goddess. Even today, some modern pagans will celebrate and honor Vesta as well. 
And during this time, it was popular to, to bake cakes. And it, again, it had that floral emphasis um, where offerings would be made, you know, by decorating yourself and your home, you know, with all the pretty flowers that are around this time. And it was also a time of cleansing, like ritual cleansing. And while we mentioned a couple deities that go along with this Sabbath, there are several others. So if you work with deities, you know, you can bring in deities that are associated with, with love, like Aphrodite or Venus or, or Cupid even, because around this time of year, it's actually a very popular time for weddings. And if you're pagan, it's a very popular time for hand fastings. So basically going along with, you know, what is considered wedding season, this is a great time to do it. And if you do work with deities, this is a good time to sort of work with those corresponding with, with relationships and, and love as well. Now, before we get into some ways for you to celebrate Litha currently, you know, in modern day, some ways to bring it into your practice, I wanted to let you all know that I am in the process of writing my very first book. It should be released next year. And I am heavy in the editing process. So if I am not as present online or even in podcast format, I'm hoping I'm hoping I can manage to do both. This is the reason I am trying to split myself into two. It's not working as well as I had planned, but you know, I'm giving it my all here. So if if I take a little while to get back to your comments, or if if we are not able to make a week for the podcast, we will be there the following week, you know, really trying to keep this as consistent as possible without burning myself out, you know, <laughs> because as we have mentioned here before, self-care is important and I am very close to running on empty here. So gonna, gonna do our best. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's, there's a lot going on. Um, and you know, that's okay. Life happens sometimes. So we just want to let you guys know what to expect. And, and as always, we appreciate your, your support, <laughs> your continued support yes. and, and following us and you know, we'll be back. <laughs> we ain't going anywhere. Yes. We are here for you. We promise. And I myself am very much looking forward to seeing her book completed and finished and getting a copy in my hands. So I don't know about you guys, but I'm super stoked for that. I mean, that's exciting news, Charlotte. Yes. Yes. <laughs> it's insane. This is this has been a life goal for me always. I have always wanted to be able to do this. So it is finally here. And woo. Yeah. Rocking and rolling. Trying. <laughs> trying. Now, some of the flowers that are associated with Litha are honeysuckles, lilies, sunflowers, daisies, and roses. Now, this is not an exhaustive list. There are several other flowers that you can choose from. And it's basically what is growing in your area. Those are the flowers that you want to pick. These are great additions to your altar or even just decorating your home for the season. You know, while... An altar is described as a raised surface. An altar can be anywhere in your house. It can be anywhere. My altars, I've even made the top of a filing cabinet an altar. Like you can be <laughs> as resourceful as you need to be. Um, 
And the same goes with just sort of going out and, you know, looking at your local foliage. Like, what can I pick? It doesn't have to be elaborate or expensive. But sort of keeping on with the topic of decorating your altar, you can also decorate your altar with solar representations, like little anything that really has a sun symbol on it or sort of represents the sun. I mentioned pinwheels in one of the graphics I just released. And the reason for this is because a pinwheel, one, it's really vibrant and they're pretty and I just like them in my gardens, but also it it's solar shaped, you know, I mean, maybe not exact, you know, this is probably some creative liberty here, but <laughs> they're, they're a good representation of the sun. And also with that in mind, the sunflowers, you know, it's in the name, but they, they have that solar correspondence within them. So they're a great addition to the altar. And, you know, you'll want to focus on brightly colored candles. You can sort of keep this in line with, you know, colors associated with the sun, like reds and yellows and oranges. But they can also just be vibrant, whatever reminds you of this season. You can also choose to decorate your altar with an altar cloth that is also bright in colors. So, you know, the same premises of choosing your candles would be what you would go for for choosing your altar cloth. Other things that you can include on your altar for Litha are symbols of light and dark. Like we mentioned the uh, folktale about the Oak King and the Holly King. You can use, you know, representations of light and dark. This could be a white and black candle. This could be a yin yang. This could be, this could be anything that sort of brings in those elements for you. You know, cause a lot of this is just personalized. You do not have to have exactly what some list on the internet over there tells you. So just sort of keep in mind what you associate or with this season and how you want to make this your own. Really, that's the ultimate goal. You don't want to be just going off of, you know, a checklist. Really take the time to connect with the season and the season, you know, in your local landscape, really. Because it, it's not, it's not solely about, um, one, historical facts, because they can be spread out, <laughs> It's about connecting with the earth. That's really what it is about. So, you know, find ways to do so that resonate with you, really. Yeah, I think it's important to note, and I, I know we have before in other episodes, is that a lot of the references you'll see to um, plants and things with sabots come from probably like European areas <laughs> where the climate is much different, perhaps, than like, say, for us, for example, in Florida. So. Yeah, I think it's always important yeah. to note that, you know, the same things blooming there are not going to be blooming here. We may not even have the same kind of plants. So it's not law. It's just a guideline. Yes, yes. <laughs> now, some of the ways that you can celebrate this Sabbath are, as we mentioned earlier, uh, the picking of flowers. But not only the picking of flowers, you know, in your local area, you can then convert them into floral crowns or herbal garland, you know, whatever really speaks to you and whatever's going to fit in your area. And it's also a great time for, you know, just crafts, crafts. Of course, me personally, I always feel like it's a great time for crafts. I love making stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Always a good time. 
Yes. And again, it's a great time to have a bonfire. Um, we understand that not everybody has the capacity to have a bonfire. Uh, I understand that personally. Um, but you can also, you know, bring the fire element in and you can do this with multiple things. You can do this with candles. You can do this with incense, herbal bundles. It's just sort of representing the fire. Hell, if you have a gas stove, there you go. You have a fire. So, and as we already mentioned, decorating your altar, that's, that is a way to celebrate and to prepare. It doesn't have to be elaborate, just, you know, a little bit out on the altar to remind you of the changing seasons and to sort of live in flow here. Another thing is, and as we have mentioned with all Sabbaths, and this will not be a surprise to you, have a feast, eat, drink, be merry. <laughs> I don't even remember. I, oh, I, I'm 100% sure that I made bruschetta for our feast, but it, it wasn't really traditional outside of that. You just sort of focus on, you know, what's ripe and what's harvested for your area. Bring, uh, and I think there was watermelon. I'm sure there was watermelon. <laughs> Just, I'm um, sure. I sure hope so. <laughs> yes. Yes. You know, focus on foods that you enjoy and that are in season. You know, go for harvested vegetables, you know. Uh, so, you know, it's a good time to sort of bring in what is in bloom, what's ready to harvest in your area. For me, it was tomatoes. They were they were delicious, um, as well as breads, um, which is why I chose bruschetta. Granted, that's what I make all the time because it's one of my favorite foods. <laughs> <laughs> every every gathering, she makes it, and it's delicious. I love it so much. <laughs> uh, but another way to celebrate this, you know, like we mentioned earlier, the the girls in the or the women or men, you know, hell, I don't really know. Um, you know, frolicking about a fire in the the white robes, which might be cultish at this point. Maybe I, I need to look into the origins of these photos. <laughs> yeah, it could be. Um, but on the same thought as, um, as, as gathering and, and crafting and creating and eating, um, it's also said that this is a great time to honor water because the water is what makes the crops grow and you hope for rains. And so you can also take all of these things that you're eating, creating and create a little offering to put near a stream or a spring to encourage, you know, a continued water supply for the growing season. Oh, I'm so glad you mentioned that because I had a complete lapse on that. But you're you're right. Water is just as important as the solar element to this. And for the exact reason that Jamie said. Um, so another way that you can honor this and honor both is by making solar water super easy. All you have to do is get an airtight jar and sit it out in the sun for a little while and let it collect the energies of this you know, of the solar power during this time. And another way, as with the people hopping around in the, the white robes, is to dance. And, you know, if you're able to do so around a fire wearing a floral crown, all the better. But you can just dance in your living room. You know, the, the object is to make a connection with yourself, with the spirit, and just move, move your body. And along the same lines as that, you know, 
and getting out of your living room is to get outdoors, you know, just enjoy the day, have a picnic, go swimming. If you have a beach or a water source in your local area, go to it. This is another great way to combine the water and the solar aspects along with just being in a liminal space. The beach itself is a liminal space, you know, and if you can collect anything from the beach to use um, either one to decorate your altar or, you know, in prior spell work, it's a great time to sort of make use of it. Now, keep in mind your local laws. I am not responsible for anybody's arrest. So just <laughs> keep that in mind. <laughs> <laughs> we release ourselves of that. <laughs> I'm not taking that one. I'm sorry. (laughs) Do your own research. (laughs) Yes. Yes. We are here to guide you, not bail you out. So. (laughs) Oh, goodness. So I think in general, Litha is just this luscious celebration of of all things warm and fuzzy and abundant, right? So you've got the, the warmth and the lusciousness of the sun, you've got the green grass, you've got the dew in the morning. I mean, it's just, it's just a wonderful time to be grateful for what nature gives us. And it's, it's at the peak of, of this growing time, right. And, and fertility time. So yes, yes. And as you're mentioning abundance, I don't believe that that is a key word that we honed in on this episode, but Litha is entirely about abundance. And for many of the reasons that you just stated, the earth is at an abundant time. So abundance magic is great here. You know, it's, it's really feeling for the seasons, feeling for what is going on around you. And, you know, this period in June, just, just look outdoors. Everything's in bloom. It is beautiful out there. So it's a great time to, to focus on, you know, abundance in itself, you know, not, it doesn't have to be abundance magic. You could just be grateful. So it'd be a great time to sort of practice gratitude as well, you know, while you're connecting with nature. But we are wrapping up this week's episode on Litha. And we thank you so much for joining us. Uh, We still are working on our Patreon that may be pushed a little further back, but It's still something that we are wholeheartedly working towards, Um, but we want to make sure before we, you know, really launch that, that we have all our ducks in a row so that you guys will love it. I just want to make sure that when it launches, that it is everything that we dream and hope that it is. So we're going to be working really hard towards that and we'll be giving you updates, you know, throughout our episodes. And let you know what the status of this is. So if you're interested, you will be able to find us there as well. We thank you for joining us this episode. So until next time, blessed be. Peace out.